Hello, and welcome to the Enlightened Awakening Podcast. A place of honest and authentic conversations. I'm your host, Timmy. And I'm Uriel. And today we wanted to have a conversation about the idea of the victim mindset and to really explore how it impacts us on a personal individual level, as well as steps that we can take to overcome this issue in our lives. So Uriel, to start off, I wanted to ask you, have you ever fallen prey to the victim mindset? And if you have, how has it impacted you and the way that you live your life? I definitely used to have a victim mindset for quite a long time, actually. I noticed a lot of big, big differences in my life that I can only correlate to having that type of mindset. One of the biggest things was that it never allowed me to take accountability for anything that was happening in my life because I always found a way to blame somebody else for the hardships that were occurring in my life. And we've had conversations in the past about taking accountability for everything in your life, even though that might sound counterproductive, but taking ownership of everything is a very powerful way to enable yourself to change your life. But secondly to that, one big thing I noticed is that I was so afraid of taking risks. And the reason was that I would just project the blame on the world for why my life wasn't the way that I wanted it to be. And therefore, I was able to tell myself that taking a risk wasn't necessary because things just would never work out. It never actually allowed me to grow and to pursue the things that I really wanted in life due to fearing that the world was essentially against me and didn't want me to succeed. That's interesting, man. The impact that it had on your willingness and level of comfort in terms of taking risk. That's not something I had previously thought about. But when you just mentioned this last piece of how a victim mindset led you to believe that things, circumstances, situations, the world were against you, that actually makes a lot of sense. And that's probably one of the unexpected ways that the victim mindset can actually impact the quality of your life. Where my mind naturally went when I was thinking about the answer to the question I asked you was the piece around accountability. I really do think that the victim mindset is one of those things that severely impacts our ability to do that. I too, for the longest time, was very steeped in a victim mindset. I had a whole lot of ideas about why unfair circumstances, situations, racism, and all these things that are completely outside of my control how they were impacting my life and why it was unfair and I had been dealt a bad hand. I'm really glad that it was when I was in sixth grade that I was able to identify that and to acknowledge that I had some part to play in what it was that was going on in my life that I did not like. Because at the end of the day, I was the one constant in all of my situations. And so ultimately speaking, once I acknowledge that, which is actually really the first step that we wanted to talk about today in terms of how to get yourself out of this victim mindset and to have victory over it, when I was able to acknowledge that, yeah, it actually hurt a little bit because I couldn't help but think about the fact that I actually was the one who was causing in a lot of situations the unpleasant outcomes. That hurts a little bit. I think that this is one of the reasons why people fall into this victim mindset. But I wanted to ask you, in addition to the pain that comes with acknowledging that we 
have a part to play in the issues that we're experiencing in our lives. Are there any other reasons that you have seen in your life as to why it seems so easy to fall into this victim mindset? That's a good question. I think obviously this will be very unique to everyone individually, but just thinking back as to what it was that kind of kept bringing me back to that type of mindset, I really want to say is that it was just an unhealthy way that I was coping with hardship as I didn't want to do the work. And it sounds really harsh to say, that's the honest, raw truth. I didn't want to live a life filled with hard work, blood, sweat, and tears to get the things that I wanted. And I think that stemmed from being an immigrant and being surrounded by a lot of other people that in my eyes, in my perception, were born into more opportunities than I was. And especially coming into a new country where your family basically has to start from nothing. And it was very easy to cope with that and knowing that not taking responsibility for my life and knowing that it wasn't my fault that I wasn't going to reach the level of success that perhaps I fantasized about in my head because I wasn't born with the opportunities that other people were. To be honest with you, I kind of liked feeling that way because it really prevented me from putting in the work. And like life was easy. I could be lazy. You know, I could waste my time away doing things that gave me instant gratification at the time. But there was no real long-term plan. There was no long-term satisfaction. There was no construction of my own confidence. Everything was falling apart internally. You could see everybody else that was putting in the work, regardless of where they were and the opportunities that they were offered. You would reflect that back on yourself and realize that, you know, you're not really doing as good as you wish you could be, not as a result of the opportunities that you have. It was very clear to me when I decided to change that, that it was more due to the result of my own inability to act and my way to cope, which was by blaming others and not taking accountability for why my life wasn't the way it was. That just created a very negative perspective of, of life for me. It's almost as though you sign up for a race and before you even run the race, you're telling yourself you're going to lose and you're going to come in less. So then you decide not to show up anyways. But for all you know, and this sounds silly to say, but you might have been the only person there so you might have actually won. But at the end of the day, it's not even about that. I think that it's about having a growth mindset. And we've covered the book Mindset by Carol Dweck. But the one thing that I really like about that book is the way that you're supposed to view obstacles. She talks about fixed mindset, which I think I can kind of correlate a little bit to a victim mindset. In my case, it became more of a, a view of effort as fruitless or unnecessary or unneeded because in my head, I already thought that I was going to lose. But it's all about acknowledging that you're improving and you're better than you were the day before. I think you've really highlighted why it's so beneficial for us to start by acknowledging that we are stuck in a victim mindset, because that really is going to be that first step to overcoming that and to accepting the fact that we can actually do something about this, which takes us really nicely to the second step in overcoming that victim mindset, which is to clearly identify what is in our control and what is not. We've referenced this idea before, but the serenity prayer is something that I am a huge fan of because when I first encountered it, I was probably, I don't know, maybe in my adolescence or early teens. 
And I saw a picture in a good friend of mine's house in the bathroom, just hanging there, that had the serenity prayer on there. When I first encountered it, it actually didn't mean much to me. I thought that it was a nice picture. It had like a little waterfall with like white writing on it. I was like, okay, that's a cool picture. But it was just very interesting to think back to how as I got a little bit older and really stopped to look at what the prayer was saying and how it actually could relate to my life. It was really beautiful to see how its meaning changed as I matured. For anybody who isn't familiar with the serenity prayer, it goes like this. God, give me the grace to accept the things that I cannot change. Oh, wait, how, how does it actually go? You're, you remind me. It's like, I got it right here. Hold on. It goes, God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom and the to wisdom know the difference. To know the difference. There we go. Thank you. I like that. I like that a lot. And despite the fact it slipped my mind. It has a, it had a very significant impact on me. And the reason it had a significant impact on me is this. I think that for a large part of my life, I felt a very strong sense of powerlessness. And the victim mindset for me was rooted in that. But at the same time, I also understood that my powerlessness was a temporary thing. The times I felt the most powerless in my life was when I was a young kid. I didn't have any money of my own. I had very little decision-making power of my own. And I knew that that was a temporary thing. Eventually, I was going to get a job. Eventually, I was going to move out on my own. Eventually, I was going to have full control over how I chose to spend my day. Yeah, of course, I was always going to have responsibilities. But eventually, I was going to choose which responsibilities I was going to take up and which ones I would choose not to engage in. So for me, once I started stepping into that part of my life where I had more agency, this the meaning and impact of this prayer changed dramatically because I hadn't really taken the time to develop the first part, which is the serenity to accept the things that I could not change. I kind of got stuck in the process of overcoming this victim mindset. And so as I got a little bit older and started developing some more wisdom around this idea of accepting the things that I can't change, it really, really helped me to grow in a relatively quick way in terms of overcoming this victim mindset. The other thing that really helped along that path, which is something we've talked about a lot in, on this podcast, is stoicism. The ideas that particularly Marcus Aurelius talks about in terms of the nature of things and allowing nature to take its course. Recently, I have understood the fact that I have a tendency to fight against fate. When a certain circumstance pops up in my life that I am not in agreement with or that I don't enjoy or I don't like, my natural reaction is to immediately start thinking about what I can do to set things back on a course that I believe to be more preferential. But what I've come to realize recently is this. When you choose to use that as your default setting, yes, you may actually be able to have things go the way that you want, but oftentimes the way that we want things to go may not be the best way. For me and my faith, God, or for others, might be the universe or just circumstance, may have something better in store for us that we're never going to be able to experience if we're always fighting to have things go the way that we think they should go. And so the serenity prayer, the teachings of Marcus Aurelius, these are things that really helped me in this second step here of identifying what is in my control and what is not. Did you ever have a similar struggle in terms of identifying the difference between the two? Or is this something that once you started thinking about overcoming the victim mindset, that came more easily to you? 
at the time, I think I definitely was attached to the outcomes of everything that was happening in my life, whether it was things that I could change or couldn't change. I, I don't think I actually even recognized that, to be honest with you. I didn't think I recognized the fact that I actually have a, a lot of control of uh, the, just honestly that I'm in control because being in control doesn't necessarily mean that you control every single outcome in your life. But it's about knowing that you actually control how you react to everything in life. And that reaction can turn a poor outcome into a good outcome. And I'm, I'm of the opinion of that because just like Carol Dweck talks about in growth mindset, setbacks are opportunities for growth and improve your intelligence. And I'm sure that everybody, well, I shouldn't say everybody, but I'm sure that people can find ways to dispute this claim. But that's where a quote by Epictetus that I actually have with the uh, prayer written down just below it. And he says, men are disturbed not by the things which happen, but by the opinions of things. So we build opinions on the outcomes that occur based on what everybody else is saying to us. And below that, I have something that kind of ties it together for me. And it says, seek not for events to happen as you wish, but rather happen as they do and your life will go smoothly. So it's essentially about knowing that life will take its course and we have inputs and outputs, but ultimately we have to accept it. And that's in the part of the prayer where it says, for God to grant us the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. There was a couple of rules that I'd written down from Epictetus. And the first one is, there's nothing good or bad unless we choose to make it so. That was one of the most powerful things for me because yes, there's a lot of negativity that can happen and a lot of setbacks that can make us feel defeated. But ultimately, it sounds cheesy, but we, ha like, we have that choice to allow those setbacks to completely put us, put us on our ass and uh, make us give up. Or we can choose to accept that, yeah, that hurt. I'm hurting, but I got to keep moving forward. The second rule was that we shouldn't try to lead events, but to follow them. And that's where the reaction piece kind of comes in. It, we shouldn't try to prevent things from happening. Allow them to happen, but you almost kind of like flow like water. You flow to your environment and you're dynamic in the way that you approach anything that comes your way. So you got to kind of go with the flow and know that you have that control. Whatever comes your way, you have the capacity to overcome it and to strengthen and persevere yourself regardless of the level of difficulty that you may be experiencing. Yeah, very well said, man. And I think that that last piece that you just mentioned really is the key to setting yourself up well to transition into that next step here in terms of overcoming that victim mindset, which is to create a plan and act upon the things that are in your control while simultaneously accepting the things that are not. This particular third step is a area of strength for me because I've always had a bias towards action. But I think that what I have learned is that without going through the first two steps of acknowledging that I have that victim mindset and identifying what is and isn't in my control, when I seek to take action, sometimes I take action on the wrong things. And that's why I really do think that the steps do need to go in this particular order because we want to take informed action. A lot of people talk about how experience is the best teacher, but what my belief is, and I've said it before and I'll continue saying it, is that evaluated experience is the best teacher. 
if experience was the best teacher, then as people get older, they would generally become wiser. But we do see a lot of people who have a whole lot of experiences, but they're not learning from them by and large. And when we take the time to evaluate those experiences and then to use that evaluation as the basis for our plan to take action, that's where things really can take off for us in our lives. But the opposite is also true. When we continue taking action without evaluating, we're having all these experiences that we're not evaluating and we haven't taken the time to assess what it is that is in our control and what is not. That leads to frustration and eventually, in some cases, learned helplessness, where we feel like no matter what we do, our situation is never going to change. And that's why I think it is really important for us to not only take that time to evaluate, to clearly identify what's in our control and what is not, but to also surround yourself with people who are able to give you that honest feedback. Because there's been times in my life when I have been taking a whole lot of action. I have all these plans for what I want to do. And I think I'm making progress. But somebody who I really respected or that I trusted or somebody who knew where I was trying to go was able to pull me aside and say, hey, I can see that you're doing a whole lot of things right now, but I'm not really seeing the fruit of that. And It's a blessing to be able to have people like that in your life because I think a lot of people are hesitant to give that type of feedback to people in their lives. I think that acting upon things that are in your control is one of the most powerful things that we can do. Anytime that I feel anxious, I try to remind myself that the only thing that actually addresses anxiety, the only thing that mitigates the impact that anxiety can have in our lives is action, whether that is action to calm our mind through things like meditation, whether it's action to change the way that we view things by shifting our opinions, as you had talked about the way that Epictetus spoke about it, whether it's literally doing something to address the things that we are feeling anxious about. I really do believe that there is so much power in taking consistent, evaluated action because it opens doors in ways that we can never expect. And I like what you had said earlier about wanting things to go as they should, because once we take action, that's what makes that possible. I have a really bad habit of sitting and planning and trying to map out every step that is going to be required to get to the outcome that I want. But I'm glad that with age for me, in my case, did come some maturity in this area where I've understood that. Oftentimes, what we think the path is going to be like is not what it ends up being. In fact, it's very rare that the path we map out at the beginning of a process is the way that it's actually going to go. And so this is one of those things that I'm glad I have been able to have a little bit more understanding around and to accept the fact that what is in my control today is the steps and actions and plans I'm going to execute on and the ultimate vision that I keep putting in front of me each and every morning. When you had finally gotten to the stage in your life, when you were planning to take action, is this something that you found came a bit easier because you had gone through those previous two steps? Or did you still find that identifying what was in your control and the acknowledgement piece was something that you had to continue working on as you moved to this next stage of actually acting on the things that were in your control? Um, I'm not sure necessarily if it was one or the two, but perhaps a mixture of both. I think that they kind of synergize together, if you if you will, right? You kind of have to accept. And like for me, for sure, um, 
the acceptance piece like had to be like a conscious thing for a long time. And then eventually it just kind of became like a subconscious, like, oh yeah, you know, that sucks. And then you kind of move forward and you start thinking, how am I going to react to this issue? But to be honest with you, and I don't know if this happened for you, but it, it also like even your reaction to things becomes sub- subconscious in nature because you start becoming less flustered by the challenges ahead. And it almost becomes like an automatic response where you're like, okay, this happened. Therefore, this is what I need to do. Like, this is the input that I need to bring in order for this outcome to potentially change. If not, you reevaluate, put in a different input and hope for a better outcome. It's, it becomes a lot easier. Just like when you, um, when you like, when you're working out at first, like you, you get really sore after your workouts, but the more you work out, the less sore you become. And therefore you can push further in the gym, lift heavier weights, do longer workouts, increase the intensity, so on and so forth. But I think in life, it's kind of the same thing. The more challenges you're able to overcome, when similar challenges come your way, you're able to just kind of like brush them off a lot easier. And then you, t- you tackle on even greater challenges to push yourself further. And it sort of becomes like this, this thing where you just kind of, th- you kind of welcome the challenges and you want to be challenged. And when life isn't challenging, life kind of becomes boring in a way. And it's almost like you become a problem solver. And when you actually think about all of the entrepreneurs that are ex- like extremely successful, they talk about that. The world needs solutions, not more problems. So when you become solution-minded and you become a person that provides solutions to difficult situations, you're actually more likely to be successful, but you're also more likely to expose yourself to more difficult problems as a result of that because you're challenging and you're putting yourself in situations to solve those problems and you're learning. And I think that's where Carol Dweck also sort of talks about how intelligence can be built because the more you challenge yourself, the more you learn, the more you'll expose yourself to people with greater knowledge and the, the greater the opportunities you're going to have. And so therefore your competency, your confidence will evolve. And therefore I think it gets to a point where although challenges are hard, obviously, and depending on what it might be, the severity could be greater, it doesn't rock the boat the same way it might've in the past. And so you build good emotional regulation skills and you just kind of, you just kind of know that, you know, it's business as usual. There's a problem. You got to find a solution and you get on that. And it's, there's less time worrying and having anxiety about the problem itself. And more of that time is actually being invested into finding a solution for that problem. Yeah. And that's, that really wraps it up nicely because I think that that last step in overcoming this victim mindset is to analyze, assess, and repeat, which you explained very beautifully in the last part of what you had mentioned there. It's an iterative process. And I think overcoming a victim mindset is not something that you one day stand up and declare that you are free from it, but something that needs to be continually checked, mitigated, monitored in order for us to be able to fully get out of that, at least for a moment in time. Circumstances can pop up that will lead us to fall back into that. But what I do believe is that each time that we successfully put this mindset to rest, it's not going to be nearly as strong the next time that it comes up which is why it's so beautiful to do that continuous assessment of ourselves, to analyze our patterns of thought and to acknowledge when things are sliding back into that victim mindset. Because I think that if we go through something really difficult in life, it's very easy to fall back into that. But as the saying goes, at every level, there's new devils. 
the work that we did in a previous stage in life to be able to overcome the victim mindset and to see ourselves as an action-oriented person that seeks to solve problems, what brought us to that in the first place may not be what's going to keep us there. And that's why it is so important to take that time to be mindful, to really assess what is going on internally within us and to do that work on a daily basis so that we can continue moving forward towards the vision that we have for our lives in a concerted and iterative fashion. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode, guys. We really appreciate the continued support. And if you haven't already, subscribe to the podcast wherever it is that you like to listen to podcasts because we are actually out here on every single platform. Thank you.